right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And on today's edition, by the way, I was thinking about this. What? You know, as part of the open, I say with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. And then you say, hey, is that confusing for people? Do you think some people think you're Derek Johnson and I'm Nick Springer? Why would they think that? Because you say, hey, after I say Derek Johnson. So you want me to say, hey, after Nick Springer? Well, I'm saying, like, should I reorganize the order that I say them? No, I mean, you can do whatever you want. I don't don't know. I don't care. I just envision there's someone out there. I think that my voice sounds like Nick. Okay. So there's no reason anybody would. I just, I just think up. it's funny if there was somebody out there who like didn't know which one of us was the other one. You that know? is funny though. Yeah. 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 Um, so on like today's maybe show, maybe we should just send a picture of the two of us mm-hmm. and be like, which one's which? <laughs> which one's which? Who's who? That is always a thing. It's like you don't really know what somebody. You have this envisionment whenever you listen to someone on the radio or a podcast of what they look like. Sometimes oh, yeah. you do want to know, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes yeah. they match up. Sometimes they don't. Well, in actually, my experience, yeah. whatever I thought they looked like is like. Totally wrong. Yeah, 100%. You know. Uh, anyway, today's going to be a fun show. David Lesky of Inside the Crown is going to join us at 3.40. We also are going to have on Carson Brune, a class of 2024 commit. He's a tight end from Sioux City um, uh, up in Iowa. He's going to join the show uh, coming up here at 5.05. We also are starting up RCST football trivia today. That's Let's right. Go. We filled up our 24-team league. We have eight divisions of three. They're going to be battling head-to-head, so we got two matchups today that we're going to get things kick-started with some KU football trivia coming at you. First, though, RCST brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, and uh, we're going to kick things off here with a scheduling announcement for KU basketball. Uh, not often do we go in-depth about you know scheduling things for a year out in advance all the way in 2024, <laughs> but this is a pretty big deal. Kansas is going to face North Carolina in a home-and-home in basketball starting in 2024. So they'll be in Lawrence on Friday, November 8th of 2024. The following year on Friday, November 14th, 2025, they'll be playing in the Dean Dome against North Carolina. I just realized, though, that's kind of weird they're playing on a Friday. What's weird about that? That you're playing a Friday night. You have two of the most storied basketball programs in history of college basketball. Okay. Playing on a Friday night when there could be Friday night like college, like imagine if if KU gets the new Brett Yormark thing, dude, flex to that Friday, no, for a conference no, game, no, I will come, I will go to the Big Twelve <laughs> conference offices and be like, Brett, this this I will not stand for this. Well, we're gonna have high school football that night too. That's I think that'll true. be playoff well, time. November, it'll be like second round, third round of playoffs. So I guess yeah, it I was depends. Say, I mean, they're normally done by yeah. later October. I feel like so that's kind of weird. I don't know what I mean. What day do you want to play on Saturday? <laughs> oh, even better! College football and NFL, and uh, yeah, college football. I'm fine. Do it, play Sunday. NFL. I guess NFL. Um, Big Monday, but they don't start Big Monday until like Tuesday. I don't know. Which, by the way, well, okay, okay, I guess they do that with like college game day because of football season. But mm-hmm. you know, they don't they don't start college game day for basketball. All right, let's like. do Tuesday. 
Okay, fine. Boom. Tuesday's the worst day of the week, though. Champions Classic's on a Tuesday. It's the worst day of the week. Well, not if Kansas play North Carolina. Then it's a great day of the week. <laughs> That's cool, though. I, I understand why it never happened with Roy Williams. You know, there's kind of mixed emotions there. I'd imagine yeah. he'll be at one of, if not both, of these games. That'll be kind of cool. Probably both. I, I wonder. Maybe he just won't show up because he, he doesn't want to, like, no, okay, listen, come across to one we fan just base. Need to, no, 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 no. We just need to get this out there. He clearly favors KU more, does he not? No. What do you mean, no? If Have you seen how many retired? North Carolina games he goes to? Since he's retired. That's, you, that's because he most recently no, went coaching North Carolina. You only, <laughs> that's because you only pay attention to the Kansas games to where, like, <laughs> of course, oh, I noticed him more at Kansas games. That's because you didn't watch all the North Carolina games. He was at, <laughs> like, every one. North Carolina stinks. Okay. They're bad. Anyway, that'll be cool, and uh, I think – Whenever you ask people, like, what is the home-and-home you most want to do, North Carolina and Duke pretty consistently get brought up in terms of being ones that you haven't done yet. Like, Kentucky, it happens all the time. It's cool, and and you like it. No, I don't actually – I don't want to see John Calipari anymore. Okay, you're you're done. But this will be cool. We we don't get to see this very often. I I can't remember the last time this happened in the regular season. We've had some great tournament meetings. Uh, I think people would still love to see the home and home with Duke. I mean, we're getting home and home Indiana last yeah, year. Yeah, now this that year, right? now that Weasley Coach K is gone, they might schedule something. No, there's some cool ones still out there. Like Michigan State would be a cool Duke, one. Duke is playing. Uh, Duke is playing Arizona this year. They would have never done that with Coach Whiny Face. That's true. Although is it on a neutral site? No, I think it's at Arizona. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then. they're playing Baylor too, I think. Not this year, but I think they're playing Baylor okay. sometime soon. We'll schedule beefing up for them. Okay, I wanted to get to our uh, next uh, position preview. Offensive line is next up here. Okay. So I, I was having trouble putting this together. There are a lot of different machinations and ways that you could put together the offensive line that I think are going to be in flux. I mean, by the way, think about yeah. this. Um, I, I know we've mentioned a lot, like, we're this many weeks out from the first football, football game. This will make it seem closer. We're a week out from fall camp. Hey, that sounds good, right? Hey, that does sound good. Okay, that sounds really good. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, there we go. I, I think fall camp is going to determine a lot of this. I will say though, as part of the starters group here for the offensive line, I do feel very solid about at least two of these guys, probably three. Okay, Mike Nowitzki, redshirt yep. senior. Yep. He's starting at center. Yeah, that's happening. Um, Dominic Pooney as a redshirt senior. He's starting. Yeah, where he starts remains to be seen. Little unclear, yeah. Yes. I think initially it was just kind of assumed that you would start him at guard. That's where he played last yep. year. But uh, now it sounds like maybe he might be in more of a the running for a position at tackle, which obviously, you know, you lose uh, Earl Bostic. So you do have that gap that you're trying to fill of a uh, left tackle, which, you know, the left tackle position, I think, in college is maybe not as important as, say, like the NFL, but it's still a very important position. Right. Um. He lined up at left tackle to finish the spring showcase. Some of that was because of injury, but I think the KU staff liked what they saw. And, uh, you know, we talked to John Kirby, I don't know, several weeks ago, and he brought up him yeah. playing tackle. So, Well, and the thing that I always remember is anytime we got a chance to talk with some of the offensive linemen last year and during spring ball, like whether it was Dominic Pooney, who is great with the media, by the way, Mike Nowitzki is great too. Those guys always brought up something that stuck with me, which is a lot of them would talk about how – the way that they coach the offensive line is not necessarily like you're the backup right tackle, you're the backup left tackle, you're the backup right guard, left guard. The the second wave of guys, they're more coached or built to be sort of just who's the sixth best offensive lineman and he's going to play, right? So it's more like outside of the center position, it's more positionless in terms of the offensive line. Right. Behind, like that's kind of how 
this coaching staff is has coached this offensive line. It's like it's not just all right, you're the backup left guard, so if the left guard gets hurt, you're gonna go play left guard. No, it's hey, the right tackle just went down, you're at right tackle. The right guard just went down, right yeah. guard, whatever. So that to me, that makes things interesting with this discussion because it really I think it is really going to come down to whoever the best five guys the staff believes, it may not necessarily be like what position you think they should play or what they might play, but like that's kind of based off of even just the the words of the that have that come from the players themselves, that seems how it kind of works on the offensive line. Yes. Yeah, like if Mike Nowitzki goes down with an injury, Michael Ford becomes the who is the other guy we we're gonna mention here, who's a junior, he becomes the center as opposed to it being like, oh, we have a direct backup center. He just moves the center and then somebody else plugs into the lineup. So yeah, it is kind of versatile in that way. Now if you are asking me right now, I would probably guess that Dominic Pooney starts at left tackle, but it still wouldn't shock me if he did move back to guard. Now how that works will depend who the other guys are because as much as you talked about, there are guys that, you know, they're going to make them multi-positional. There still are guys that are pretty much just one position. Now when I say one yeah. position, I mean tackle or guard. Like uh, Bryce Cable can play left tackle or right tackle, but yep. he's a tackle. Logan Brown, left tackle or right Probably tackle, but he tackle. is a tackle. So if Dominic Pooney is starting a tackle, now you only have one tackle spot open for Cable Do or Brown, or if Kobe Baines is going to play as a tackle. If Dominic Pooney is starting at the guard with Ford and Nowitzki, then you have two tackle spots open for those three guys. But this is definitely a situation where it's kind of a good problem to have. Right. I mean, you have seven, eight offensive linemen that you could feasibly yeah. see start. The way that I see it, Nowitzki, Ford, Pooney, Cable Do, Brown, Reed Adams, Baines, Lavelle, and honestly, I, I don't I don't know, Gorchika and, and Doiron sp specifically, uh, he started a bunch of games at Buffalo. Like, even if you want to include those two into this, like, it wouldn't be a shock if, if any of those kind of started. Yeah, yeah. So they have really good depth, which, listen, on the offensive line, depth is good. Yes. Like, depth is good at any position, but at the offensive line, it's even better. Do you remember going into last year, it was like, they have four starters back, but it was like, oh, no, but is the depth good enough? Now, we didn't know at the time how good Dominic Pooney was going to be. Transfer no. up from D2 is like, maybe this yeah. guy can be a solid backup. He ends up being one of your best starters yeah. on the season, so that helps the, the, the backups to push down. But fortunately, they stayed healthy last year. Yeah. This year, the beauty is if, you know, you want to stay healthy, and hopefully you do again, but if you do have a few nicks that, yeah, you can get some of those guys in there. I mean... Uh, Bryce Cabledew will be starting basically in year three. Logan Brown um, is somebody who, you know, transferred from the Wisconsin, best, yeah, former five-star. best transfers. Yeah, Kobe Baines, former transfer from Louisville, has, has really been taken off here. Spencer Lavelle is someone who can probably fill a lot of different positions, the transfer from, from Arizona State and Cal. Also, he's just huge. He is. Um, Gorchika and Doyran I mean, are coming into year two in the program. Spencer Reed Adams, Lavelle man. is like three of them. Uh, yes. He's like, yeah. I don't even know if that's enough. I'm, I'm taking Spencer Lavelle versus three of you. That's true. In a battle, <laughs> yeah, in a battle, in the in a ring, mm -hmm. me, you cloned me three times. So you have two two me's, three me's, three of me. I'm taking Lavelle versus one Lavelle. <laughs> Do I even get him on the ground? No, I don't think so. One of you tries to jump on his I mean, back I'm, while one know, of you's I'm, on the leg, and I'm he like just shrugs him off. Five nine, five ten ish, one forty five. Yeah, and he's like six seven. 340. No, he's gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. Logan Brown's gigantic. I mean, just the the look of these linemen, too, is just you step off the bus and it's, yeah. oh my goodness. And, and this isn't something we've always seen at KU. Yeah. Uh, so those 10 guys really are going to compete for playing time to some level. I think realistically, like I said, Nowitzki, Ford, and Pooney as starters. You round out the starting lineup with probably Cable Do 
and then I'm kind of leaning Baines Me. right now. Yeah, Baines, Brown. But, man, the talent is there with Brown. Reed Adams, I've, I've heard good things about as he continues to progress in the system. Lavelle is obviously uh, a very you know experienced Power 5-level player. Like Yeah, and I think something else to keep in mind is, remember, Kobe Baines came in last year in the summer, so he wasn't here for like the spring part of things, and so that's why I think right. maybe he didn't get in involved as much. He started to at the end of the season. He played in the bowl game pretty but well. the point with that is, for this year, guess who was here in the spring? Guess who already got here? Spencer Lavelle and Logan Brown. Both those guys were, I think, were here in the spring. So the point being, like, if those, if let, let's say hypothetically you go back to last year, if Kobe Baines had been here in the spring, would he have been maybe become a starter earlier in the season or to start the season? Maybe, maybe not. These other guys have been here since the spring, so they have that opportunity potentially to to break into the starting lineup. Yeah. Um, now you also have your next up guys, James Livingston, redshirt freshman. He might be closer to being on that two deep than than the next up part of this. But uh, DK Stearns, redshirt sophomore, Joe Kraus, redshirt sophomore, Calvin Clements is a freshman. Guys that at some point could be part of that two deep or be starters or stars on the line at some point. But this year you have all those guys in front of you. But that that's a good thing, especially in the offensive and uh, you know just line in general is good that you're playing older players because it gives those younger guys time to develop both physically and mentally, which is is good that Calvin Clements doesn't have to just get thrown into the fire here. Uh, you also have Kyle Farks, redshirt freshman, Jake Eisenhower, redshirt sophomore, Danny Robinson, redshirt sophomore. Uh, I think Eisenhower and Robinson, both walk-ons, I don't know with Farks. Uh, as far as the biggest stories and question marks, though, how much will having that more depth that we just talked about, how will that affect things positively? Well, I think it'll affect them in two ways. Number one, if you do have injuries, you'll see it come to fruition on the field. But number two, even if, let's say, KU's offensive line does stay healthy this season, and again, they, you know, they're able to kind of avoid the injury bug, having depth of talent like that, all that does is it serves to challenge your starters even more and force them to elevate even more to higher levels of play, right? That, I mean, that, I mean, that's like been the biggest thing with Lance Leipold since he's got to KU is, Competition, roster competition. He wants to see players challenged. He wants to see uh, battles for positions for starting jobs because all that does all that does is it just elevates everyone, right? If two guys are battling for the starting job, it elevates both of their games because they're trying to earn that starting job, right? So it only benefits KU on the field, right? Whether or not you whether or not you do have any injuries where you do maybe have to go to your bench a little bit, but even if not, even if you got even if you stay healthy. It just makes you better, right? And I think I, I don't know how much we, <clears throat> I don't know how much we maybe necessarily saw that with like the Jalen Daniels Jason Bean QB battle. I mean, remember going into last year, there was some talk of people saying, you know, hey, this is Jason Bean's. This he's looked the best he's ever been mm-hmm. ever in fall camp. Jalen Daniels beats him out, and look what Jalen Daniels became. So that competition forces you to elevate both, you know, whoever's trying to battle for that starting job. And so even if you don't get to see some of those guys that don't get a starting job on the offensive line, all it does is it just means that they are elevating even more the play of the guys that are starting. They are pushing them even further to be even better at the st- to start. The, to start Because at the end of the day, I, I don't think Andy Kolnick or Lance Leipold will be afraid if one guy earns a starting job to start the year and he doesn't start playing very well and they got another guy that's looking pretty good in practice. Would it be that shocking if they were like, hey, we're giving this guy the start? No. No, not at all. No. They would They would definitely go yeah. with that. So with that being said, you don't necessarily, with depth, you don't necessarily need just injuries to view 
or to, I guess, see the fruits of having that depth. Yes, 100%. And I think with uh, just pushing each other in practice every day is, is such an important thing to get yourself better, and they'll clearly have that. Uh, question two here. Will returning players who have been good to solid level players, will they get better or will they just stay the same? This goes into a conversation we've had with with everything on offense because there is so many returners yeah. about the ability to get better. Like, is Mike Nowitzki, has he hit his ceiling or is there another level there? With, uh, you know, there are certain guys where it's like, yeah, Logan Brown, uh, the ceiling is still kind of untapped there. But with some of the starters you have back, like Dominic Pooney, can he take another step up, right? That's well, going to determine I like how good this like, can be. Uh, Bryce Cable do, who was a starter last year, and now he's in a position this year where that's not a guarantee. He may he there's I mean he is no by by no means is he guaranteed to come back and be a starter again this year, so guess what that means he doesn't have a choice he's got to elevate his play because otherwise guys like Kobe Baines or Logan Brown are going to start over him, so he's the guy that I look at when you ask this question of guys that are returning because Mike Nowitzki is going to be a starter and he's probably going to be solid to really really good Dominic Pooney's probably going to be really really good again Bryce Cable do. Is the, is the guy that I'm looking at with this discussion because he was a starter last year, but that's not a guarantee he's going to be a starter this year. He has, he has to elevate his game. Yes, 100%. Um, how much of a ceiling gets raised if Logan Brown and or Kobe Baines become key players here? Because I think those are the yeah. ceiling guys for me, besides yeah. Cable do. Yeah, I mean, with, with Logan Brown, it's, he's got the body type to be like a high-end offensive tackle in the NFL, right? Uh, now, does that mean that he's going to get to that at Kansas? I don't know, maybe. But if he does kind of become that just big bruising guy like that, that's huge. And obviously, with KU's style that they want to play with utilizing Jalen Daniels, both with his legs and with his arm, you you got to – I think the main takeaway that I have for this is if you're going to have a quarterback like Jalen Daniels who you know is going to be involved with running the ball with option – that means you want him taking as little hits in the passing game as possible because he's already going to be taking some hits in the running game. So that means you need to have solid pass protection, and probably that means that the scheme for KU is going to be when passing, you don't necessarily want Jalen Daniels to end up holding the ball too long. But with the offensive line, that fault, that responsibility falls on them. Protect Jalen Daniels in the pass, which, by the way, they did a great job of last year, a fantastic yeah. job. I think KU was one of the lowest in the Big 12 in terms of sacks given up last year. Yeah, um, I, I, I remain most intrigued by Logan Brown in all this, because like to me, if everything hits, your former five star recruit, we're at Wisconsin, did well there. If everything hits with Logan Brown, that's an NFL draft pick. Like that, honestly, that might be like a day two NFL draft pick. But that's if everything hits. How long does it yeah. take to get to know the offense and and some of these things to where if that does hit, that substantially changes your ceiling. But if it doesn't come around, then that's just not there. So that's something to me that can like significantly move this group up from being already a good unit to you know even another level beyond that. Um, and I think one area that I'm looking at them to improve is is can you get better on standard run plays? As you mentioned, they were uh, no, I, I believe it was number one in the Big Twelve in, in sacks allowed. They were one of the best in the country there. Um, they were obviously really good on on the option run plays. There were a lot of standard run plays that just went kind of nowhere, yeah. that lost a yard, gained zero, gained one, maybe two. They were in a lot of second and eight and second and nines last year. 
can you get better at the just the traditional halfback dive and and the the stretch plays and the wide zone and those sorts of things that can be staples to an offense that are just bread and butters that you don't really have to run anything super extravagant and you can still pick up three, four, five yards a pop. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that because listen, sometimes you just got to be able to run HP dive and get three yards, okay, or four yards. That's just how it goes. You can't run triple reverse option, whatever fake with how some of the scheme stuff they did. You can't run that every time. Sometimes you just got to line up, buckle your shin strap, HB dive, four yards. And you're right. No, KU, there were definitely some games where they were able to run the ball successfully, but not necessarily because the offensive line was just pile-driving their opponent. It was a lot of more scheme-type stuff. So, yeah, can you can you have more just straight-up successful run plays to help even further – because then if you can run that stuff even better, it's only going to help you even more when you do run the more fancy scheme stuff that you are very successful at. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, can you drive more guys off the ball? And, and again, I think that's where guys like – I think that's where guys like like uh, Logan Brown and Kobe Baines and Spencer Lavelle come in because those are big, big dudes that I suspect will be able to drive – push guys around. Okay, last thing here, confidence scale. Better, worse, or the same than last year? Well, just like with all the other positions on offense, I'm going to say better because they've got – Quite a few guys of their really, really good players back, and with the added depth, uh, even if there are some potential injuries, it seems to me that they'll be able to overcome that fairly well. So, uh, yeah, better. Okay. I, I actually feel great about saying this one's better. I think I said tight ends was the one I felt best about. Now I feel better about this one um, because the way I look at it, you know, I, I do expect a jump from Bryce Cable do. I do like the ceiling Logan Brown can what he can bring. Kobe Baines, I'm I'm really high on him too. I've always loved Dominic Pooney, what, what he's kind of brought to the table. And there's just more depth. There's so much more depth than there were last year. So yeah, I feel better about it overall, which is uh, a good thing to have. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our offensive line preview. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN. Depend on it. Coming up in the four o'clock hour, we got RCST trivia for football. We also have Carson Brune joining us at 5.05. Right now, though, it is time on a Monday to talk to David Lesky of Inside the Crown. Um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of negatives we could go. You know what? Let's just, let's just start with a negative. Let, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, what is wrong with Scott, Scott Barlow, and has he already tanked his trade value? Um, I'm going to answer the, first, the second question okay. first. No. <laughs> I, um, it's funny. Trade value is is something that people think ebbs and flows, like mm-hmm. like it's a daily stock. Every single pitch, right? Like it's just not the way major league teams operate. You know, I, I there there's there's a decent chance that uh, let's say let's say the Dodgers have interest in Scott Barlow, um, which they do. I think um, there is at least a decent chance. That somebody in their front office at a very high level has no earthly idea how many runs Barlow's given up this week. Just doesn't know. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter to them. They don't care about he did this or that or whatever. They, they care about the underlying metrics. They care about the spin rate. And is he still getting chases and all that? And Baseball Savant has a great, great tool in general. But there, when you go to a player page, you can see these sliders that are – percentiles of, of where guys rank. And I think people overuse them personally, but there's also value to them. And on Scott Barlow's sliders, they are largely red, which is good. Red is good. <laughs> so 
know, teams teams look at that, and and obviously they know if spin rate was down or or velocity was down from from where it was before, that would be a an indicator. But that's what really matters to teams looking for a trade. And obviously, the longer players under control, the the different different things matter. Like like Aroldis Chapman, for example, nobody cares if there's long term health questions because he was a two to three month rental, but. Scott Barlow, maybe there's another question because he's got an extra year beyond that. So, so short and long answer to that short question is no. Trade value has not changed pretty much at all. We just saw Pierce. I tweeted this earlier. Pierce Johnson just got traded to the Braves. Um, he brought back by MLB Pipeline the Braves' number ten prospect, Baseball America number eighteen. So there's a little <laughs> a little gap there. But um, Pierce Johnson is not good. <laughs> he's a he is not a good reliever. He has really good fastball spin. He has good breaking ball spin. Similar to Scott Barlow, he throws harder than Barlow. Um, so that part, no, I don't think the value's changed much at all, if anything. What's wrong with him? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> relievers are relievers are weird. Stuff happens. You know, I, I think I think about let's go with yesterday's game. He gave up three runs. Well, if Nick Prado didn't do whatever he was doing. I, I don't even, I can't even describe it. <laughs> he gives up one run and you go, Oh, wasn't great, but well, Hey, they're only down by this. What were they? Was it, were they down by two at that point? Whatever it was, they're only down by two fewer than they ended up down by <laughs> going into the inning. And you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't put a whole lot of stock into one or two outings. Most teams don't either. I think that there is some concern about Barlow because of the fastball velocity. If it's been there for, a while. I mean, it's, it's been two, three years that it's been declining, which is what tends to happen with pitchers. So there, there's concern there, but his breaking balls are still getting tons of chases. They've got a ton of movement. I, I think that if you start to see teams laying off, you might see some, some changes. I think that that's probably what's happened in his last couple outings. Um, I also think that there's something very real to be closer in a non-safe situation. They don't do well. They just don't. You We'll never know this, but he came into the game before last with a five-run lead and yesterday with a two-run deficit. If both those games are one-run leads, I'm convinced he gets three outs <laughs> like, without any issue. So, um, yeah, that, that that's my long answer to your short question. <laughs> well, going back to the trade thing, though, should that be a worry at all for, for a team acquiring him? Because I guess depending on what team acquired him, you know, he might be a holds guy. He might be a setup guy as opposed to a closer. Would that be a concern then? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on, on your role. And and with the Royals, Scott Barlow is, if we're up by three or fewer in the sixth, or if it could be, I'm going to start stretching. And if that's not your role, then you're then you're differently prepared, I think. So probably not a worry, especially because Barlow's done it so much throughout his career. But, I mean, there, there's a routine guys go through. And if that routine needs to become less routine, which it could if he's a setup guy or whatever, I think it would, and there wouldn't be a problem. I don't know that for certain, but I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Okay. Uh, if that does happen, if Scott Barlow gets traded, which I, I, I know you've mentioned m- uh, multiple times here this year that you're expecting at this point, and you've mentioned in your yeah. writing on Inside the Crown, uh, does Carlos Fernandez, who I know you mentioned actually, uh, I guess maybe he has a chance of getting dealt to, but if Barlow's traded. If he sticks around, he's the closer, right? I, yeah, I would think so. I, 
I wonder a little bit if they don't necessarily go with one closer if they say we're we're going to play matchups in the late innings or whatever. And it wouldn't surprise me. Look, they don't give any save opportunities, period. So it, it may not matter who the closer is. But it wouldn't surprise me if you look up in whatever the season ends, October, whatever, and you go, oh, Austin Cox had a couple of save opportunities. They had Jose Quas get one. Will Klein got two or three. Dylan Coleman got a couple. Hernandez got eight, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. I, I think that, I think there's a pretty good chance to get spread around a little bit, but I, I would think that the primary, if there is one, would be Hernandez, yeah. Okay. What do you think the likelihood he does get dealt? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I haven't heard a lot about him. Um, teams have asked, for sure. I think that they're in a, a bit of an odd spot with him and that he just became a really good reliever. Um, I think the stuff has obviously always been there. It ticked up in the way that you'd expect it to when a starter moves to the bullpen. So nothing nothing too weird there. He simplified his repertoire, but also he's a year removed from not being good at all. And I wonder a little bit if teams are trying to pay the price of a pitcher who wasn't good a year ago instead of a guy who's very good this year. I don't, I don't know that to be true. Um, so in that instance, I think that there's, I think there's a good chance he doesn't get moved just because teams aren't giving what the Royals should be getting for him. And I'm okay with that. I think that the mistake the Royals have made in the past is not necessarily not trading a guy with four years of control left. It's then not trading him also with three years and then two years. And then you trade him with, two months of control and it becomes, oh, we couldn't get anything because you only had two months of control. Well, yeah, but you could have traded him three years earlier. And I think that if they don't move Hernandez, that's the mistake they can't make with him um, unless they start winning, which is, look, they could could happen, I guess. Um, If they start winning, keep him and let him be a shutdown reliever. But, but yeah, I I think it's it's less than 50%, probably more than 15%, but I'm not sure where in the middle it ends up being. Alec Marsh had an interesting start, to say the least. I mean, some of the stuff looked really good. His off-speeds looked good. At the end of the day, uh, you know, the final line doesn't look very good, going about, you know, five and a third or whatever it was, giving up the five runs. And, and you look at his stats this year, 3.5 home runs per nine innings. That is an alarming number. Yeah. I also look at his minor league stats from the past two years. Uh, obviously, you know, triple A, double A, so it is different competition, but still they're both under one both years. Does that give you optimism and hope of, of what he can become that if he gets that back down to what he more normally is, even compared to MLB competition, that there actually is enough there for him to be a really successful pitcher? Yeah, I I, I have a lot of confidence in Alec Marsh right now. I think that if we look at his start on was it Friday that he pitched? Yeah. Friday, it, I wrote this. What what if he's pitching that game in Kaufman Stadium? I know he wasn't, but a but, but little thought exercise. What if he's pitching there, and two of the three home runs he allows are out? <laughs> you know, well, actually, the Glaber Torres one was probably a double. Either way, but um, although who knows? Maybe the way they play the out though, it wasn't. Let's, let's call it a double. He gives up one run in five innings, gets fourteen swings and misses. You look at that start and you go, another Alec Marsh start that we really liked. Got to got to love it. You know all that and. I don't know. I just, um, I think it's really difficult to evaluate that particular start and the home runs. He does, he gives up fly balls and at the big league level, those are going to go out sometimes. Um, 
I, I think that's probably just going to be part of his game. As long as he's limiting walks, which he has the last couple of starts, as long as he's getting swings and misses, which he has every start he's made at the big league level, I, I think he has to feel good about it. Now, the, the question then becomes, okay, where does he fit in a rotation? Is he a guy who is your five starter? Is he your three? Can he somehow play up to a two? I, I, would, I would say the ceiling is three personally, and feeling is what it is. You don't always get there, but I mean, the stuff is obviously there to be more than that even. So that, that's, that's where I, I come in on Marsh right now. Um, I think that what he's shown in four starts is he should get every start the rest of the year, every fifth day. Should be him. Not, not every game, although that would be interesting. Um, but he, he's shown enough to at least get that chance through, through the end of the season. Do you think that some of that, though, I, I don't know, like could he end up profiling as a reliever long-term if, if that stuff doesn't get figured out and he's just like one of those relievers who I feel like there are certain teams that uh, are starting to just have their relievers be like, just throw sliders like 50% of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Um, I, I The problem that I have with that is I think he can be at least a back-of-the-rotation starter. And then you get into the question, What's more valuable is a hundred sixty, and I don't even know what a four or five starter throws. Or, you know, it used to be is a hundred eighty average innings better than seventy elite innings? And I don't, I don't know the answer. I didn't know then. I don't know now. Um, I think now a hundred eighty average innings is probably better because nobody's even throwing that. But whatever the number is, is a hundred fifty average innings better than sixty great innings? I don't know. I don't know that answer, and I think it depends on the makeup of the pitching staff. Like. If they have five guys who can give you 150 average innings and and Alec Marsh, then yeah, you put them in the bullpen. If they don't, I think I think he goes with team need really. And um, I mean, to this point, he's got a six plus ERA, so the innings haven't even been average. I think that you're he's still in the mode that I don't really care what the result is. I want to see swings and misses. I want to see innings. I want to see limited walks. But eventually, you know, he got to perform too. And and to this point, he hasn't. Other than he looked, he looked okay most starts. He had one really good start against the Rays, and the rest of them he's given up some runs and, and you know made it made it more difficult for his team to win the game. So uh, as of right now, I think you think of him as a starter, but I think that possibility is always there. Outside of because it feels like the pitchers have the maybe most eye on them of possibly getting dealt. Uh, you know, Jordan Lyles, Scott Barlow, position player wise, who are you keeping your eye on of, of possible players who could be dealt uh, next week? Nobody interesting. Um, <laughs> I mean, truly, it's, it's, there are a couple guys. I think Nikki Lopez, um, I started hearing last week, and I wrote this on Friday, I would be surprised, I'd be more surprised than not now if he doesn't get traded. I don't know. I think I said that about as poorly as possible. I think he will be traded is what I was getting. (laughs) And it's, it's, you know, it's not, I'm 100% sure. I would say he's like 57% to be traded if we're putting a number on it. Like it's not a huge favorite, but I think it's more likely than not. Um, So he's somebody to watch. Edward Olivares, I still think has, has a a market, has some value. Um, There are teams who need bats. Royals are one of them. But, but they don't. It don't matter this year. And and where does Edward Olivares fit? You know, like it's. I, I'm I'm working on something now, trying to 
figure out who in 2023 even fits on 2024. And, and I think that there's a spot for him, but I think there's a better way to use that spot also. So why not trade him, especially when he's got some value? I know people would argue that he doesn't have value. They're wrong, but it's, um, I, I think, I think he has a, has a decent shot to go. I don't know if I'd say it's more likely than not, but I think he's the guy, everybody else. I, I don't see a move. I think that the Royals would love to be able to trade MJ Melendez and bring back three pieces, but they can't because he hasn't played well. They'd love. I think they'd be okay trading Kyle Isbell as a fourth outfielder, but yeah, who's going to trade for him? You know, it's just it, the, the 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 return just isn't there. I don't think moving Salvi. I don't think you know, Nick Prado has value. I, I had a thought earlier today that. A guy like Michael Massey could be really interesting for a team like the Dodgers. Uh, they just demoted Vargas and playing a lot of Mookie Betts at second base, and he's been good, but he's Mookie Betts. He shouldn't be playing second base, probably. So could they have some interest in Michael Massey? I, maybe, but I don't see it happening. I just I don't think there's a lot going on there. Okay, well, which player, position players, pitchers, everyone combined, which player that seems reasonable to get traded or could get traded do you think will net the best haul, the best return? I still think it's Barlow. I think that. Well, let me let me put a caveat on that. If Carlos Hernandez gets traded, it's because they got the best haul of any other players. I don't think they trade Carlos Hernandez without getting more than they would get for Scott Barlow. And so, of all the possibilities, he's number one. But of the likely ones, I think it's Scott Barlow. Okay, uh, player of the week from last week. This one, uh, I'll be interested to hear. Who are you going with? Would you like? Somebody with 12 plate appearances this week as your player of the week. I mean, uh, I, honestly, efficiency over totals at this point, like, yeah, all about it. If somebody went one for one, like, I'm, I'm open to it. What about somebody who hit 250 for the week? He could be it. Um, or somebody who had, I believe, one extra base hit all week. Okay. Those are your options. It's Michael Massey who had three homers over the weekend and hit 250 for the week with a 286 on base. That's one. That's one legitimate option. It's Freddie Fermin, who I'm going to be honest. I think he's the guy I just at him last. Um, but he hit 636 in 12 plate appearances this week. Mm-hmm. That's. I think that's seven for 11 um, with a walk and a home run, like three doubles. It's a crazy week for him. And then Everett Lavares, who hit 385 and had one extra base hit. Yeah, but see, if if we give it to Oliveris or Massey, I I believe there are other MLB executives around the league who are sitting there going, "Oh, but that guy just won Player of the Week. We have to trade yeah. for him." No, they're they're listening oh, they to our show. Profit? Yes, yeah. Oh well, then it's both of them. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, those two, one player. It's hard to decide when you when, look when you're choosing among greatness. Mm-hmm. You can't pick just one. It becomes very difficult, you know? It's, it's like those lists that people put on social media. They're like, uh, keep one, trade one, cut one. And it's always, it's like the three best players ever. And it's like, well, this is this is stupid. Right. You can't. You can't. Well, it's either, it's either the three best players ever or it's like, um, I'm trying to think of a, it's like the original, when not like the feeling you had when Nacho Cheese Doritos first came out <laughs> and then a, a perfectly cooked steak and then... Uh, an overcooked burger with <laughs> yeah. uh, with bad cheese on it. Well, what? Yeah, what am I picking? I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna get rid of the cheese. You know, 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Those people. Well, David, I appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, hopefully you, you get a, bu- a bunch to write about over the next week or so with the trade deadline uh, coming up in a little over a week. Hey, fingers crossed. We'll look, I'll look forward to it. <laughs> all right. He's David Lesky. Check out all his work. Subscribe to his Substack Inside the Crown. Thanks again, man. All right, that was David Lesky of Inside the Crown joining us here on Rock Truck Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. RCST football trivia we'll get to in the 4 o'clock hour coming up on the other side. Welcome back in to Rock Truck Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. 4 o'clock hour. Uh, we're going to have RCST football trivia starting up here in about 15 minutes or so from uh, right now. Um, so we have two matchups today. We're going to have two more tomorrow and then we'll finish out the rest of the week. So you might be wondering, what is the format of this event compared to basketball? How does everything work out with the divisions? What did we decide on with this and that? So we're going to explain that right now before we get into things here. Um, so I guess the first thing here is the format. We have eight divisions of three teams each this year. Last year, we did uh, four divisions of five. So we had 20 entrants this year. Raise the number a little bit. You know, hopefully things go well, and maybe we can raise it again next year. Um, but nonetheless, we have 24 total entrants this year, so eight divisions of three. And how that's going to work is everybody will play the other two teams in their division. So that gives you two games. Yep. And then you will also play one cross-divisional foe. Non-conference so, game. Yes. So we have two Monday divisions, two Tuesday divisions, two Wednesday divisions, two Thursday divisions. So you play someone from your day, but on the other division you're not in. So at the end of this, everybody will play three regular season games. And there will be two division games for each team, one non-conference game, as you talked about. Um, The division record will be all that matters for determining who wins the division. So you could lose your your non-conference game, but if you go 2-0 and in the division, you win your division, right? If you go one and one in the division and you lose your conference game, you could still win your division at one and two overall over a two and one team because all that matters is the division games. So what happens is it will be if if a team goes two and zero in the division, that means they'll win the division. The only other possible outcome is that all three teams go one and one, and if that happens in the division, all three teams are one and one in divisional games. We'll go to total points scored. That is where the conference game does matter. That will matter to the points scored, yeah. right? Yeah, because it, so at the end of the day, basically the uh, the reason we do that is no matter what the situation is, no matter what your record is, no matter you know, and let's say you're in a game, right? Because you could have a really tough non-conference matchup yeah. that somebody else doesn't have, yeah. where you score 16 and you lose, and exactly, they score yeah. three and, and so they win. So it's incentive for you to try to still be scoring yes. later in games, right? Because you know, listen. There'll be situations where, you know, you might not be able to, even if you get the really hard question right, you might not, you might be down too much to actually win the matchup. But points are still very, very critical. So there's high incentive for you to still try to get every answer right that you can. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that'll be determined. If there is a three way tie at one and one each, because we can't do, obviously, that way, you know, head to head wouldn't work. It'd be a triangle. Uh, We will go to total points for determining who is first. You'll have your eight division winners. Everybody who wins all eight divisions auto bid into the playoffs. From there, there will be four other teams, just four at larges, whether you finish second or third. You know, we could hypothetically have a division where all three teams make it. We'll see. Um, be difficult to do so, but it is possible. 
Um, the next four teams will be at larges, and those will be picked based on that's where the overall record comes into play. Yes. Right? But points still matter there, too. It does. It does. Yeah. Because if we have, let's say we have six teams as at larges who are, you know, the same record, then it's going to go to total points because we won't have head to head on everyone. Yes. Now, head to head can be a possible tiebreaker in some of those, but total points kind of determines it first. Um, so that's where total points matters like super much in, in all this stuff. The regular season matters. Yes, it does matter. It matters in our stuff. So we're going to have a 12-team playoff. And it's not just that the regular season matters in regards to um, that sort of stuff and winning tiebreakers and total points and your record and everything, but getting a top four seed. Getting a top four seed means you get a bye in the first round. That's yep. ultra important. Yep. So only four. We are going to make all the division winners will be top eight seeds. So if you want a top four seed, you do have to win your division, right? Hypothetically, we could have a team who's in at large who we're like, oh, that might be the third or fourth best person. But that's part of the advantage to winning your division that yeah. we're going to give you. You so, get auto lock into uh, yes. You know. So if you're a top four division winner, that comes into play um, very mightily, uh, to say the least. So as far as our uh, divisions are, are scraped out, we actually released our preseason top ten. And uh, it's it's the exact same as our postseason top 10 was last year. There's one exception. Okay. We have one person who was in the top 10 at the back end of it last year. I think they were number 10 to finish the year. Um, they're not in it this year, so we just subbed one person. But the rest of it's exactly the same. So we actually released it, and we had a few people being like, I'm too high, I'm too low, or whatever. <laughs> it was like, this is just where you were last year. That's how we're doing it. Um, Michael Plank's number one. He won it all last year. Blake Farrell's number two. Blake McFarland is number three. That got certainly some uh, controversy on social media because Blake finished second last year in terms of he lost in the final, but he finished the final ranking ranked third mm. because it was viewed that Michael that Michael Plank was pushed more in his semifinal game by Blake Farrell than in the final game by Blake McFarland. So some controversy there, maybe chip on his shoulder. Uh, fourth is Kyle Coffey, who was number one headed into the playoffs. Fifth is Ryan Brown. Sixth is Justin Nichols, who I think was was ranked third headed into the bowl games, but he finished second in his division. <laughs> um, seventh is Aaron Mayer. Uh, eighth is Ben Wilson. Ninth is Chris Yurchek. And tenth is the one newcomer, which is Isaac Henderson, which I, <laughs> I think Kyle Martin pointed out, this is like when you put a true freshman on the All-American list. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he deserves it's like there's it. potential there, but it's unknown. He's never done the football one before. I know. He's never done football before. That's the thing. You could convince me Isaac should not be on here. You could convince me Isaac should be way higher. No, I think he should be on there. Right? Okay. So that's how that works. Um, As far as our divisions. And then the committee will get together each week to re-rank this. Re-rank Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically just a holdover from last year. Very, very, very scientific process. Numbers are crunched. We go in the lab. We go in the we go in the bunker. There's multiple pollsters. We don't leave. There's mm. no food, no water yep. until the ranking is determined. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Okay, and then uh, how the division standings uh, or how the divisions work out? We're gonna have Blake Farrell, Chris Yurchek, Garrett Hart in one division, uh, which features two top ten teams, Blake and Chris, and then Garrett is a good no- newcomer. Uh, the Monday Division B has Kyle Martin, Aaron Mayer, who is ranked seventh, and Lane Gillespie, who's a newcomer for football. Uh, Tuesday Division A has Eric Hansey. Justin Nichols, who is ranked sixth, and Kevin Coker. Eric's another guy like like Isaac, where it's like it's his first time in football. We'll see how he does, but we know he's great in basketball, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Tuesday Division B is, I believe, our only division without a top 10 preseason team. Nathaniel Abeda, Andrew Wymore, and Colton New, which two of those guys are new to football. Uh, Wednesday Division A features your defending champ, Mike Plank, along with Cooper Wright and Jackson Schneider. 
Wednesday Division B features number 10, Isaac Henderson, number 4, Kyle Coffey, and then Taylor Morgan, who's a football newcomer. Uh, Thursday Division A, Blake McFarland, who's ranked third. Ryan Goodwin, friend of Matt Tate, who's been put a lot of pressure on him to do well. He was our preseason number one last year. So, oh. you know, falling out of good grace. He started wow. 2-0, and lost his last two matchups. One of them he lost in overtime to Brad Wandell, who's in his division again this year. So that'll <laughs> be fun. And then Thursday Division B, we have two top eight teams. Ben Wilson, who uh, finished the year ranked eighth. Skinner Wenninger and fifth-ranked Ryan Brown. So those are going to be how our divisions work out. Now, how the format will go. It's going to be the same as last year for the actual matchup format. The division, the season format, that's different. The games are the same, which is a refresher, as a reminder, how it's going to work. We're going to have four quarters of play. So your first quarter is your easy questions. Those are worth three points. Your second quarter are going to be the medium questions. Those are worth six points. Third quarter are the hard questions. They're worth seven. And the fourth quarter are the really hard questions that are worth eight points meaning a perfect score, your maximum you can get is 24 points. I think we had three or four of them last year. There weren't a ton of them, but we did get a couple of them. Uh, we had a couple more really hards, right, that people actually missed like a medium or a hard in there, so they didn't end up getting a perfect. I will say this, the first week of really hard questions are probably going to be stupidly hard, <laughs> but then once we get to week two, week three, and on, there's the really a, hards will be a little more gettable. There's a calibrating process yes. involved with the committee questions. Yeah, so, so the I, first week... I think it's important to also point out that the main difference here is if you miss your easy question in the first quarter, the game is not over. You get four questions to answer regardless of how if you miss or if you don't miss. Mm -hmm. So it's not like in basketball where if you miss your first question or your second question and the other person gets their question right, it's over. You play the four quarters. You play you play to win the game, okay? The game goes on. So you get four shots at it. So it's important that you know you don't want to get demoralized if you miss a question early. You got to stay focused. Maybe you need to make some halftime adjustments and come back out and and keep fighting for all four questions. Yes, um, so it's it's very important with all that. Um, so yeah, that that's how that'll work. Now, one of my favorite things about this event, uh, not in addition to the fact that you can miss an early question and still come back, and you have some cool comebacks in it. Also, you have the the full regular season that you could lose your first game and come back. I think Blake McFarland last year lost his first game and then he made it all the way to the title game. Um, it's beyond that. It's it's the overtime once we get those matchups in this one. Well, we're good for a couple of them. I'm hoping we get one here in the first week where if the score is tied after the fourth quarter, because you might be saying, okay, what happens there? I guess hypothetically we could have done a soccer format where we're like, if you get a draw, it's one point. If you get a win, it's no, worth three no, points. No, 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 no. But this is no, football. dude. This, this is, is American football. football. Exactly. This is football. <laughs> exactly. We, we have do that. one no. winner. <laughs> yes. So no we do our draw college clap. overtime. No. Which get we out had, here with that stuff. That matchup between Brad and Ryan last year that went to overtime, I think it was like five or six overtime. It just wouldn't stop. And how that works is we flip a coin, and whoever wins the coin toss, basically, gets to choose if they go first or second, just like the team in college overtime would do. Yeah. Not only do they choose, let's say they choose to go first, they now pick what category they want to answer. So easy, medium, hard, really hard. Correct. And if they get it right, they score those points, and now the person who goes second gets to pick, let's say the person who went first answered medium, which was our most popular choice for the first person last year. The person who goes second can either choose to answer medium and keep the matchup alive just to stay alive, or they can try to answer hard and win the matchup. Yeah. Right? And and then So we, it's like the equivalent of like, you know, going for two the second yes. when you get the ball the second. Yes. Or we also had, I think this happened one time last year, the person who went first tried to answer a hard 
missed it, and then the second person got to answer an easy. And they went home with an easy overtime win, right? So I think that's why most people answer a medium now in the first one because it is such a risk. It is such a risk. Yeah, because like medium is challenging enough to where somebody could your opponent could still miss a medium. And so that way you're not giving them that, you know, if you go easy, then it's like, okay, well, you're just both going to probably get easy questions right. Yes. Or, le- or, or or if you pick easy, your opponent could pick medium and then just win. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I, if if we ever do get to a point, this is just going to be a rule that I'm going to make up on the fly, you but I'm just easy. letting people know now. No, they can pick easy, but eventually it'll be like, you know how in college overtime, it's like once you get to third overtime, it's now just two-point conversions. Yeah. If both teams go easy, 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 easy on the first two overtimes, <laughs> I'm cutting that category off. I'm just going to let people know that now. If we get to a third overtime <laughs> and we've think, only answered easy, I think most people have enough integrity to yeah, go Yeah, no, for I don't think people would do that. Yeah, anyway, they go so for me. I think it's fine. Um, now, you might be wondering also the prizes for this event. We uh, are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, and McDonald's. We're still working on a sponsor or two to try to get a few more prizes coming in, so this might not be a complete thing. Um, everybody who's already entered in, you're already getting something. That's the beauty of this one. Obviously, the basketball one... Uh, we get more entrance. We get a lot of interest with that one. 64 people as part of it. It's tough to give out prizes to all 64. With this, it's a smaller group, 24 people. And because you are guaranteed to be participating in three regular season matchups, we want to make sure that you're at least gifted something for your time as a thank you. So uh, already, everybody who's entered, you're getting a RCST football trivia shirt from Lawrence Shirt Factory. You are getting a... Um, Free McDonald's breakfast sandwich from McDonald's and a free McDonald's small McCafe frappe coupon. So you're already getting those. Uh, the eight people who make the quarterfinal round are going to get a $25 gift card to Johnny's Tavern. Might be a few other things we get from Johnny's, so we'll see on that. But already you're getting that. You're getting a Mr. D's auto wash free car wash with a $14 value. And you're getting all three of these things from McDonald's, one free small shake, one free medium frozen beverage, and one free lunch or dinner sandwich, all those vouchers uh, to receive those. If you make the semifinals, you're getting a $25 gift card to McDonald's, and you're getting a RCST engraved water bottle. Some people call them tumblers, whatever you want to call them, from Jayhawk Trophy. You're using yours right I have now. One, yes. You absolutely love I, it. I actually have it's one. It's like the 30-ounce awesome. one, too? Yeah. You get I, a lot of liquid in Yeah, there. no, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's yes. awesome. And uh, I think we've seen Aaron Mayer using that thing. Some other people, like, that is one of the more... That and the t-shirt probably get the most just, like, usage. Yeah. Like, in terms of, you know, quantity yeah. of usage. Um, the people who make the title game, you're going to get a bunch more vouchers and stuff. Um, the champion's going to get a tro- trophy from Jayhawk Trophy. I should also probably mention, along the way, I haven't even mentioned this. Uh, we haven't decided or designated what rounds are going to be. But there will be gift cards to 23rd Street Brewery as part of this. Um, I haven't decided what rounds those will be attributed out to. And then, like I said, there are a couple other things that kind of uh, we have in the fire right now to see how they work out. So that's kind of the rundown on football trivia, but enough talking about it. Let's just get into our first matchup. That coming up after the break. You're listening to RCST on KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. It is officially that time we get ready for RCST football trivia. We got two matchups scheduled for today. We've got second-ranked Blake Farrell against ninth-ranked Chris Yurchek. And then uh, coming up in our next segment, we'll have Garrett Hart and Lane Gillespie, who are both first-timers in the basketball event this year. They'll be making their first appearance in the football event this year with that matchup coming up later in the show. RCST Trivia on the football end of things is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, 
and McDonald's. 23rd Street Brewery with dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available. They've got their outdoor patio to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill South Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. You can also get any custom awards or engravements with Jayhawk Trophy located right here on 6th Street in Lawrence. Not only do they have great awards, whether you're looking for your youth sports team or your rec league or your fantasy football league, they also, with those engraving experts, can get done something that you already have and you just need it engraved. Or if you want to get a custom plaque, they have all sorts of great stuff. They're creating uh, some RCST engraved tumblers for us that we're going to be giving away as part of uh, RCST trivia. So check them out with Jayhawk Trophy. All right, into our first matchup of the day we go between Blake and Chris. So this is our first matchup of the year for 2023. Second edition of RCST trivia. There, there are a few differences uh, in the football event this year from last year. One of them is the divisions are different. Last year, I think we had four divisions of five. This year, we went up to 24 people um, instead of the 20 and we did eight divisions of three. So it's a little bit different there. You're going to play both teams in your division once, and then you're going to play one out-of-conference game. The out-of-conference game does not count to your division standing. So, you know, if you win your two division games, you're into the playoff. The eight division winners get into the playoff. There are four at-large spots, though, where those out-of-conference games do become important for who's going to make it into the playoffs. And uh, this is going to be a tough one right off the bat as part of our Monday A division with second-ranked Blake Farrell, ninth-ranked Chris Yurchek. Uh Chris, I want to start with you. You finished ninth in this event last year. I think you went 2-2, two and two, and you just missed out on the playoff. And, and if I remember right, you just missed out on a bowl as well. You had 66 points because there were some just tiebreakers that didn't go your way. Uh, do you feel better, worse, or the same into this football edition than you did last time? Um, I feel a little more prepared. You know, I've done some studying. I know the format. I did, man, last year I was telling Blake, I, I think I won my first two games and then I just needed one thing to go right for me in like five matchups in a row between me or my other division mates and just nothing went right and I didn't make a bull game. So a little chip on my shoulder, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's for sure. And I appreciate you wearing the uh, RCST trivia shirt. Well, uh, we already we're, we're going to be giving a, a trivia shirt for football to everyone who joins. So you already know you're going to be getting a shirt here for football just for being a part of this. Blake, same goes for you. You finished second in the rankings at the end of last year. You start this year ranked second in uh, trivia, and that's because you made it to a semifinal. You lost to the eventual winner in Michael Plank, but you had yourself quite the uh, the ride there. 88 points over five matchups. Uh, what, what are kind of your emotions, your thoughts headed into this thing after having a very successful year, but also one that uh, I'm sure you feel like, man, I was that close to winning it all. Yeah, it was tough getting so close, and it was a tough way to end it with the loss. But, yeah, I felt, felt good about the season, and hopefully we can do more this year. Well, uh, the, the rules are going to be the same as far as the matchups for you guys. I've got a coin here. We're going to flip it to see who goes first. Um, both of you are going to get a question in each category. So we'll do the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. First quarter is the easy question. It's worth three points. Second quarter is the medium question. It's worth six points. Third quarter is the hard question. It's worth seven points. And the fourth quarter is the really hard question, which is worth eight points. Whoever ends up with more points wins the matchup. Um, if it's tied up, we'll go to overtime, flip the coin again, and 
and then we'll get to those rules once we get there. But it's like uh, college overtime going back and forth and picking the different categories. And uh, I guess the only other thing that I should say is even if you do lose the matchup, the points do matter because points are the tiebreaker for uh, certain things. If uh, if all three teams go one and one in the division, total points ends up winning the division. So it's important there. And if you're in a tie with someone for an at-large bid to the playoff, total points could matter there as well if head-to-head does not apply. Okay, uh, Chris, you are, I, I guess, technically the, the lower-ranked team. So I'll give you the option. Do you want heads or tails on the coin? Tails. All right. Tails it is. It is tails on our first flip of the 2023 season. So that means you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'll go second. Worked for me in basketball. Okay. Made it all the way to the grade eight this year in basketball. Blake had a second round out on a one of our more controversial finishes. Certainly a tough out that, that we've kind of talked about on the show. But uh, finishing number two in football last year. Blake, that means you're up first. We'll start in the first quarter in the easy round of questions. This is worth three points. Blake, who is the current KU athletic director? Goff. Yes, Travis Goff is the correct answer. And uh, a good reminder here as we get going, last name does work unless I need to clarify. But yes, Travis Goff is the correct answer, and he's done a good job with KU so far. Okay, Chris, your first question for three points. Prior to Travis Goff, who was the KU athletic director? Uh, What was his name? I can remember the guy before him. Brennan Les Miles, he's from Arkansas. Ten seconds. Oh my gosh. Five. Shannon Zanger. The correct answer there, you're going to be kicking yourself over this one. Jeff Long. Yep. Yep. Jeff Long. Blocked him out of my memory intentionally. (laughs) That's totally understandable. The good news is. As much as it probably feel, doesn't feel great to miss uh, the first quarter one, it's the one that's worth the least amount of points. So uh, you can make up for it here with some of your upcoming questions. This is the difference here with the football one versus the basketball one. Okay, Blake, back to you. In the medium question, this is our second quarter. You're leading 3 nothing. This is worth six points. Leading the 2003 Jayhawks in receiving yards and receptions while also playing dual duties as a defensive back was what player? Charles Gordon. Charles Gordon is the correct answer there. That's where six, you take a 9-0 lead. He uh, he walked, so Aqib Tlaib could run. I guess probably more of a two-way, though, with Charles Gordon than Aqib Tlaib. Okay, Chris, your second question. To get on the board here, medium, it's worth six points. Kansas had three All-Big 12 first-team picks on defense for the 2007 season in which they eventually won the Orange Bowl. One of them was Aqib Tlaib. I need you to name one of the other two. One was a defensive lineman, and one was a linebacker. McClinton. Yep, James McClinton was one of those. That's uh, somebody we talk about a good amount here on RCST. Also, Joe Mortensen was the other linebacker. Uh, so you had two options there. Either one worked, and you got it right. All right, you're on the board. 9-6 to six the score as we enter halftime, head into the third quarter of play, into the hard round we go. This is worth seven points. Back to you, Blake. 
in Mark Mangino's first season at the helm at Kansas, what running back led the team in rushing yards with over 800 and was second on the team in receptions and receiving yards? Clark Green. Clark Green is correct. No hesitation needed for Blake, and that is a big seven points there as you now take a 16 to six lead. All right, Chris, you got to hit this to stay alive to uh, try to win the matchup. Your hard question for seven points. In the 2006 season, in which Kansas finished six and six, what wide receiver led the Jayhawks with 467 receiving yards? Uh... Marcus Henry. That is one year off. The correct answer there is Brian Murph. Brian Murph. Yep. All right. Man, I should have gone first. Not gone your way so far. Did you know the Clark Green one? Yes, I've known all of his. That's a tough one. That is very much a tough one. Okay. Well, Blake, you have won the matchup, but as I've mentioned, points are very important in this. And anytime you can get a perfect, that is even more important. I think you got one of them last year. Um, Really hard round. This is worth eight points. Currently leads 16 to six. Blake, this center was named all big eight for Kansas in 1969. Ten seconds. Smith. (laughs) The correct answer is Dale Evans. Dale Evans was their all Big 8 center in 1969. But 16 points, real solid start for you, Blake. Chris, chance to uh, get a Big 8 points here in your really hard. This linebacker was named all Big 8 for Kansas in 1969. Smith. <laughs> the correct answer is Emery Hicks. Emery Hicks was the correct answer there. Uh, so kind of unfortunate rotation there. As you said, if you would have gone first, you knew the first three. Blake, let me switch that around. If you would have gone second, did you know the first three of Chris's? Yeah, I think I actually would have guessed Murph, but it was a total guess because that 06 is just a toss-up. I wouldn't have really known, but that would have been my guess. So, yeah, I think I would have been okay on those. Okay, well, then maybe we'd still be playing. Maybe we'd be into the overtime round by now. Uh, the good news here, Chris, is obviously this being different than basketball, you have time to make up for this. You, you can hope that Blake loses his next matchup and you win your next matchup and then it's a three-way tie. You could also just you know win your next two matchups and get in as an at-large. Uh, what's going to be the path for you? What's, what are you going to try to do here moving forward? Um, I don't know. Blake frame seems pretty solid i guess i'm just hoping for the at-large bid at this point <laughs> yeah tough to have him in the division that's just how uh some of these worked out with a couple top 10 teams we have a couple other divisions with a couple top 10 teams too but you know sometimes it's all about the availability and stuff uh blake uh you get a victory here you hold on i would assume to you know your top two ranking um thoughts on the high expectations headed into this season a lot of pressure but yeah nice to get the win to start and then We'll go from there. So, 
All right. Well, Chris, Blake, I appreciate being a part of this, and uh, we'll see both of you guys next week. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Man, tough for Chris with with just not knowing the answer to uh, two of the three, but he knew the answer to the flip side one. Sometimes it is just luck of the draw. As much as the football one is probably less luck of the draw than the basketball one because the basketball one single elimination sort of, um, there still is some luck of the draw in, in that sort of stuff. And, you know, um, it, it does make me feel better that hypothetically Blake was six for six on the easy through hards, um, whereas Chris was technically four for six if you count like both sides. So I guess from that standpoint, like, you know, maybe deservedly that, that Blake comes out with a win. But I'll say this, Chris is uh, is is better than the performance showed. Maybe the questions came out a little tough here in the opening matchup. But, uh, you know, Chris still somebody to keep an eye on that could make a deep run, that can make it to the playoffs and then make a deep run after that. Blake certainly a powerhouse so far in this thing in the football edition of trivia. We have one more RCST trivia matchup coming at you today. It is between Garrett Hart and... And Lane Gillespie, that's coming up on the other side. RCST Trivia here on the football end of things is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, Jayhawk Trophy, and McDonald's. In 2023, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its 70th year anniversary, and that's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more details about a 70th anniversary celebration at our original location in North Lawrence, where you can be a part of the neighborhood porch. There's now 13 locations of Johnny's from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore, Missouri. You can try all the great food or beer or try the new blue collar lager. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk with RCST trivia don't forget we got a carson brune interview with the 2024 commit tight end coming up in the five o'clock hour but uh more trivia coming at you next on klwn depend on it welcome back in to rock chalk sports talk as we get to some more rcst trivia on the football side brought to you by mcdonald's 23rd street brewery johnny's tavern mr d's auto wash and jayhawk trophy thank you to all our contestants joining i should mention we still have a few prizes that are uh, being tossed in the, like, I don't know, we have a few more possibilities of, of sponsors and prizes, so we'll see where that uh, uh goes for right now, but already a lot of awesome cool prizes, gift cards, tumblers, trophies, all sorts of stuff, t-shirts that, that we're going to be giving away here. Our respect. Yes, so uh, this one here is going to be our first non-conference matchup. Blake and Chris was a Monday Division A matchup. Uh, we have a, a crisscross matchup between Monday Division A versus Monday Division B, and it's going to be Garrett Hart and Lane Gillespie. For both of them, it's their trivia debut on football. They both made their total trivia debut on the basketball side earlier uh, in the spring. But, uh, you know, I, it's always hard to figure out how much the basketball translates to the football. Some guys are better at one than the other. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think this will be a fun matchup. Yeah, Garrett, if you remember right, was very impressive in his uh, basketball debut against uh, Brian Rainey and almost knocked him off in the first round uh, as a 13 seed. So I think Garrett is a guy you might need to keep an eye on as a sneaky playoff pick out of this uh, out of these divisions or out of this uh, out of the Monday group I guess. Mm -hmm. So uh but but listen Lane is a very formidable opponent. He he did well he got a win uh, in his appearance in RCST trivia on the basketball side. So I'm actually pretty excited for this matchup. I will say these are two younger guys, so when we get to like the old stuff, I don't know how well either one of them is going to fare, but uh, I, I'm confident this is going to be a good matchup. 
Yes, I am too. So uh, let's just go ahead and get into it. This is our second trivia matchup of the day. It is a couple of newcomers on the football edition, Garrett Hart and Lane Gillespie. Um, Garrett, I want to start with you. You Actually, both of you made your trivia debut in basketball this past year, but this is your first one in football. And Garrett, you had a, a really tough first-round matchup. I think you were faced with Brian Rainey, who ended up going to the uh, Phenomenal Four and you took him to like the hard, the really hard round, something like that. So obviously you showed your knowledge, your, you know, have a strong level in basketball. How would you declare your football knowledge? Better, worse, or the same than basketball? It's definitely not as good, but I feel like nobody has as good of football knowledge as basketball just because there's so much more. Um, I know me personally, it's much harder to, you know, be able to know as much about a team full of 85 guys compared to 12. So, uh, you know, just hopefully I can get a win or two here and there. So, And Lane, you won your first round matchup in basketball trivia. Um, so same question for you. Uh, do, do you feel like your, your football knowledge is better or worse or the same than it is with basketball? Uh, I would argue that it's definitely worse. <laughs> um, but in recent memory, it's not as bad. So if you give me questions before like 2005, I'm going to struggle big time. Okay, well, we'll see how they, they're already predetermined out, so we'll see where it goes with all that stuff. Um, I'll, I'll uh, Garrett, since uh, you're looking to get the, the monkey off your back and get your first trivia win, I'll, I'll give you the option here of uh, heads or tails on the coin. Okay, I'll take tails. All right, tails it is. And heads it comes up with. So we had one tails earlier, now we have a heads. Uh, Lane, that means you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, let's go first. All right. First up for Lane, second up for Garrett. We will start in the first quarter of questions. These are the easy questions where three, then we'll progress through with the further point totals. Whoever ends up with the more points wins the matchup. If it's tied, we go to overtime. Okay. Lane, your first question in the easy round for three points. Who was KU football's head coach in 2011 taking over after Mark Mangino and uh, this guy also came from Buffalo. I know this guy. I have his face. I blanking on the name. There's a T in there. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> Ten seconds. I, I see his face. I see his face. Um, I'm gonna know what it is. Throw out a last name. Throw something out there. Uh, Tucker. It's not Tucker. It is not Tucker. The first name did have a T. Turner, which is close enough. The last game, Gill. Yep, Turner Gill. That's okay. We had somebody earlier today miss an easy one on on one they knew as well. Um, I, I feel like you knew it once you heard the name. You knew it. Sometimes, especially early in the trivia season, you know, just brain fart can't come up with a name. That's all right. Still got plenty of time to make up for it. Garrett, your first question. Who was KU's head coach in 2017 taking over after Charlie Weiss and coming from Texas A&M? David Beatty. That's right. David Beatty was the receivers coach, Texas A&M, which we heard plenty about, and uh, his recruitment of Mike Evans. All right. Back to you, Lane. Into the medium round of questions. This is the second quarter. Currently a 3-0 lead for Garrett after the first quarter of play. Lane, this Jayhawk linebacker earned Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week 
for the 2017 team's season opener against Southeast Missouri? Uh, no, that was before him. It's kind of one or the other. Um, 2017, 17. Was it Joe Deneen? Was Joe Deneen the pride of Lawrence Free State? I'm guessing you said one of two. I'm guessing you were debating him and Ben Heaney? Correct. All right. Okay. You got it right. You're up 6-3. Chance to counter Garrett for the end of the first half. This Jayhawk receiver earned Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week for the 2017 team's late October game against Kansas State. Oh, gosh. It's got to be one of a couple guys. Um... Steven Sims. It is Steven Sims. Had a real nice four-year career in his time at Kansas. All right, we go into the halftime locker room. Garrett with a 9-6 to lead over Lane. We head to the third quarter of play. This is the hard round of questions. These are worth seven points. Lane, for you. On September 14th of 2002, Mark Mangino earned his first win as KU head coach. Who did it come against? Hmm. September 14th, so I believe that's non-con. Um, which can be one of a million schools. Um, Ten seconds. There's only one school that comes to mind that you played around that time, which I think is wrong. I'm going to go with Georgia Tech. That is incorrect. They did beat Georgia Tech... I know definitely in the uh, the the Turner Gill era, might have in the Mangino era, but the correct answer to this one is actually a team that Kansas is playing this year to open up the season, Missouri State. Ah, uh, okay. There's a little fun one for you. Okay, Garrett, if you hit this question, you guarantee the win because you would be up by a uh, insurmountable deficit for the really hard round to overcome. And uh, do keep in mind, total points do matter here because... Not only does uh, you know the division winner advance, but that could be total points who gets through. Obviously, this is a non-conference matchup between the two of you, but we're going to have at-larges make it through, and total points are going to matter. So even if you lose a matchup or if you win it, the more points you can get, the better situation you're in. Okay, Garrett, for you, your hard question. Kansas earned one shutout in the 2007 Orange Bowl season. It came in a 62 to nothing win against who? Oh, gosh, it's one of two schools. You said it was 07? Yes. Was it Florida International? It was not. That was a good guess with the non-con. Southeast Louisiana. That's right. Southeast Louisiana. (laughs) That was a tough one. So both those answers were some uh, FCS schools. Good guess. You had a 50-50. That was the right process. Yeah. Sometimes the results don't go your way, but you keep doing the right process. Good things are going to happen. All right, it is nine to six. Garrett leading Lane headed into the fourth quarter. If either of you can answer this really hard, you will earn our respect because it is very difficult. But also, you could steal a matchup here. Lane, first up for you. This Jayhawk halfback was an All Big Six pick in 1932. 
Uh, first of all, Garrett, congrats on the win. Uh, <laughs> um, Oh, heck if I know. I'm just going to go with John Johnson. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The correct answer there is the long-forgotten Elmer Shockey. Shake? We think. Uh, I I don't know. There's no uh, pronunciation guides back in the day. That is the answer there. All right, well, Garrett, you wrapped up a win. But as I mentioned, total points could matter. They they absolutely could, whether it's, you know, for determining if you make it as an at-large, you win your division, whether it's for seeding once we get to the playoffs. So if you can answer this, it'd be pretty vital. But it is also very difficult. Garrett, this Jayhawk halfback was an all-big six pick in 1934. Oh, gosh. Otto Schnellbacher. I don't even know. You got a name that was older. You know, that's around the same time. The correct answer is George Hapgood. George Hapgood. Those were uh, beyond really hard. Those were very, very difficult this year. I think we're uh, taking the step up on really hards this year to try to make them really, really extra hard. But, Garrett, you came away with a win. 9-6 to six the score. You uh, ended up your defense played well in the uh, second half of the game. But you got the monkey off your back. I know it's not you know a longstanding thing or anything like that. But you got your first trivia win in football or basketball. How does it feel? Uh, it feels good. I'm still kind of mad that I missed that uh, shutout question in round three. But uh, now I just need to do some more prep. I know that for the next couple of weeks, especially individual games. Um, I know there's going to be some on there before I was born, and so I might not get those, but we'll see how the rest of them goes. That's right. Well, Lane, um, were, were there any questions that – I don't know. I guess I guess the big one there is the uh, – uh, once we got to the uh, – uh, the hard round or, or maybe the medium or I don't I don't know was there was there anything that you regret or is there anything that um, you would have got if it was switched that you know would, would have maybe changed the matchup I would have got David Beatty and I would have got Southeast Louisiana mm. so that's just that is one of those uh, but it's all right you know um, I you know I, I didn't do a whole lot of studying I looked over the media guides and everything and the one guy I just couldn't think of was Turner Gill um, which that's okay, but uh, you know, next week I got Kyle Martin, and he bested me in the basketball uh, trivia tournament. So I'm going to try to do a ton more studying just so I can get that revenge win. Yep, there we go. Yeah, that's the beauty of this one. You're not out of it yet, Lane. And and the beauty of this matchup too. This was a non-conference matchup, so it doesn't even count to your division record, which the division record is going to determine determine who wins the division and gets the auto bids for the playoffs. So those are the important ones coming up, but this is a nice win for you, Garrett, off the back. We'll, we'll uh, see both of you guys next week, so thank you guys for joining and being a part of this, and uh, good job on week one. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yep, thank you. All right, so Garrett ends up with the 9-6 to victory over Lane. Those non-conference battles are going to be important. Um, the division ones are more important, but you know, that's a way for you if, let's say, you go 1-1 one one in the division. If you win your non-conference bout, now you're 2-1. Now you got a real shot at probably getting one of those at-large bids. Yeah. Okay, listen. For question, for some of our for some of our really hard questions, should we try to give any uh, any, any any hints? What hint could we have, to be fair? Dude, okay, first of all. What hint could we have given that helps with easy. Okay. Elmer Shockey? For the first one, you just say, think glue. <laughs> Probably. Elmer. Do you think that would have helped, though? If they even knew, I could have probably given them the first name. I don't <laughs> think they would have got the last Blue, name. If I said Blue, they might have guessed Elmer. 
but Elmer's they, glue. You have to know the last name to get the answer right. Okay, so glue plus uh, I, don't, I don't know uh, lightning. But then if we're if we're making it that easy with hints, it's no longer. <laughs> it's no longer two things. A, it's no longer really it's hard. Just, and just, B, I mean, <laughs> it's no longer a KU trivia question. It's a context trivia question. It's just like. Who can pick up fine. the best context no, sure, on the hints? Fine. I just feel bad, you know, when we have questions no, like hard. that where, you know, it's Those, just, uh, All the really hard today were very, very difficult. All yeah. of them are ones that are, like, you got to look at the media guide and impossible. just find, like, old players that, yeah, yeah, pretty much impossible. I will say, we're going to try to make, I don't know. It, it's also hard. Like, this is why we do ma- count in head-to-head. Or should we in, should we increase the amount of points you get for the really hards? It's only, you only get one more point for really hard than you get for hard. We can't change it now, but the beauty of that is that, like, let's say they both get I mean, the hard the, one right. We're the commission. We can change whatever we want. Well, here's what happens. If you get the really hard right, it really sets you up that you're probably going to win the matchup. Because you could, let's say the first person hits the hard and you miss your hard, and then the the first person who hit their hard misses the really hard, but you hit the really hard, you win the matchup. So pretty much it does become a trump card. So being eight points is fine. Okay. Um. Okay. Listen, I'm just spitballing here. No, that's fine. I mean, we already started, and we already did it last year, so it's hard to change the rules now anyway. But I, I don't know. The really hards are, are very, very difficult. That's for sure. So Yes. Uh, get your studying in, I guess. Okay. Um, he is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our two trivia matchups for the day. We're scheduled to have two trivia matchups tomorrow, I believe, between Kevin Coker and Colton New. And then uh, Nathaniel Abeda and Andrew Wymore. And then we're scheduled to have three more possibly on Wednesday, three more on Thursday, and a couple coming at you on Friday. We'll have a three-week regular season and then get into the uh, playoffs after that as we get closer to the KU football season. This has been RCST Trivia with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down in the show, one to go. we got a fun interview coming up next. Carson Brune. Three-star commit, tight end, class of 2024 recruit for KU as part of the awesome recruiting class that Lance Leipold has in tow for the season. He's going to join us on the other side. Welcome back in. Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Joined now by a special guest. That would be another one of the class of 2024 commits. Carson Brune, a six foot six tight end from Sioux Center, Iowa. And uh, he'll be part of that class of 2024, which is continuing to soar uh, for KU football. Uh, Carson, I, I guess first things first, you, you visited KU back in, oh gosh, what, June? Um, but you had committed before then. Um, I, I guess, what what made you want to pick KU? Why did you end up going with the Jayhawks? Um, KU definitely, definitely the coaches and relationships I built with uh, Coach K. Um, he was a great dude, and I was very impressed with how these tight ends in your offense, and how Coach K is also the offense coordinator and tight ends coach. So the correlation between tight ends and how they run their offense is what in- interested me the most. Um, but definitely, there's there's a great relationship between all the coaches coming up from like they all built themselves up to KU and have been together for a long time. So it's definitely, definitely very, very interesting when I got to talk to them and meet them and build relationships. So it was, it was a great experience. Andy Kotelnicki is someone that that we know around here. You know, he's he's serious when he gets to business. Very smart offensive coordinator, but but he likes to have a good time too. He likes to, you know, give you some thinkers with questions and and kind of joke around too. Uh, do you have a favorite Andy Kotelnicki story or just, uh, I don't know, some little anecdote that you can kind of share uh, about him recruiting you? 
Um, my, well, so I'm in the, I'm in a lot of like music at my school. So we had a musical in the spring and he ended up coming to that musical, which was, that's when I committed. And so it was super fun to see him come to that and enjoy something other than sports. So I just, he's super dedicated to recruiting and I could tell he really wanted me when he decided to come to that musical and yeah, he's just a great dude. Um, a lot of laughs, a lot, a lot of laughs and yeah, my parents love him and yeah, I'm excited to play for him. Did he give you any pointers on, on, you know, any sort of musical instrument or, or anything like that? No, but he, he is trying to get my mom to, like, he keeps sending my mom different musical stuff. Um, cause he thinks he knows, like, what musicals we should do next and stuff. So. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, so, you, you know, uh, w- when you visited Lawrence for the first time, and, and I can't remember if, if you had visited before the uh, – the, the official visit that happened in June. Um, but what were your expectations, whenever that first time was that you visited Lawrence, of what the college, what the city would be like versus, you know, your, your thoughts on, on visiting afterwards? Mm-hmm. So my first visit to Lawrence was a game day, was a game day visit against Oklahoma State um, to go. That's the game they wanted people eligible. So it was a great experience. Um it was kind of weird because I wasn't going to go at first because I had a different game that I was going to go to, uh, a college that had already offered me, but um, they were SCS, and I talked over with my coach, and he said I should definitely go to KU. And I had, I mean, I kind of overlooked them, but I had gone there. I had a great time. I mean, the booth was rocking, right? Uh, the coaches were great. I met with Coach Fuchs. Um, but it was, a, it, was a great, it was a great atmosphere that I did necessarily expect when I was first going to go there. Um, and now with all the renovations happening to the locker room, it's the weight room, and eventually the stadium, I mean, you can only imagine what it's going to be like later on. So it definitely exceeded my expectations the first time I went. And then I went a second time, and it kind of put over the top. And once Coach K came back to Sioux Center, I knew that it was time to commit. So, yeah. Was was there uh, I, I don't know a runner up in the process to you was it was it clearly KU what were some of the other schools that that you felt like were were maybe close on that decision? Uh, my top three were Minnesota, K State, and KU. Uh, I went back and forth between KU and K State for a while um, after I visited there, but uh, after a few phone calls with Coach K, I, I sort of realized that that KU was the best fit for me. So. so yeah, definitely. It was K State was runner up. Um, yeah. Uh, do you do you have a favorite memory or moment or, or play something that comes to mind from your high school career so far at Sioux Center? Um, my favorite. Ooh, that's a tough one. My favorite. It would probably be my last game of my junior year. Um, it was to. Go to, like, not go to state, but to qualify for the state playoffs, but to also win our district. So we earned a home game in the state playoffs. Um, so we were, it's, it's against their, like, hometown rivals. So they, they live 15 minutes away from us. Um, it was a super exciting game. It was packed. It was loud. Came down to the wire. Missed, they missed the field goal to lose. Uh, we had to win that game knowing we were going to play in the, in the playoffs. 
And then later realizing that a different team lost, meaning we won the district. And so it was the first time I've ever gotten a home playoff game. It was the first time anybody else on our team has ever played at home for a playoff game. So that's probably my favorite memory. Uh, coming in second is probably beating another rival from my coach's 100 win and the first time we beat them in 20 years. So some exciting stuff happening when I was in high school for sure. I've been there. Do you have a favorite thing to do on the football field? Like, I don't know, pancaking someone, catching a touchdown, Pat? Like, wh what's your favorite thing about being on a football field? Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really aggressive run blocker, so I, I really love um, attacking and eliminating space. Uh, so my favorite thing is probably we run a lot of counters, so I pull, I pull a lot on counter and pull and lean up the hole and just smack a linebacker for a touchdown play. My favorite thing to do. You're six. You're six six. So I I don't know if you're playing basketball too or, or what other sports that you play. But um, have you played other sports growing up, or, or are you currently playing other sports besides football? Yeah, no, I'm a I'm a four sport athlete. So I play football, basketball, baseball, and track. We play baseball in the summer, so we play both. And, um, but yeah. Do you, do you feel like any of those other sports have, have helped you out in your growth in, in football? Oh, definitely. Each and every one of them has. Uh, basketball uh, improved my, my lateral speed, definitely, and my ability to jump. Um, track, obviously, straight line speed, improved my knee drive when I'm running and all that. Baseball improved me mentally, definitely. Uh, baseball is a game where you fail a lot. And so being able to play baseball and be able to mentally go through that failure but to be able to recover has definitely helped me football also. It's uh, a, a solid class that, that Lance Leipold and, and the rest of the staff have put together so far. I believe 15 commits now for KU football. H how much do you guys keep in touch with each other? Is that something where there is like a big group chat? Or, or I don't know, because you guys are from all over different areas and stuff like that. Is there anybody that, that is committed to KU that maybe you're closest with right now? Yeah, uh, Harrison, Harrison Utley has started a few. So we have a text group chat with uh, some of the recruiting guys from KU that they like text us every once in a while, right? Doesn't big group, but Harrison started a Twitter group chat and also a Twitter community. So yeah, we're in touch. We're definitely getting to know each other every step of the way. But we're kind of focusing on high school right now and getting our senior year off, right? So uh, I think I feel like I definitely uh, yeah. So we we stay in touch. Harrison does a great job of doing that for us. Who's the Who's the player that's committed that that's the uh, I don't know the funniest uh, group texter, group chatter, group DM or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. That's a tough one because uh, we it's it's kind of just getting started. A lot of them are still. Uh, I don't know, man. That's a good question. I can't tell you. Right, so what what do you like to do off the field? You know, you're done playing football. Obviously, you're very busy if you're playing four sports, so you probably don't have a ton of time off the field necessarily. Um, but but what are some of your hobbies? What are what are some of the things you enjoy off the football field? I'm also, I mean, I love spending time with my friends, obviously. Um, in our small town, there's not much to do, so we have to find stuff to do. Whether that's going to Walmart and messing around or just chilling in a parking lot and Sometimes we play pickup basketball. Sometimes we go to the pool. Other times we 
honestly just mess around and have a campfire for some more. So spending time with my friends is a big, a big part of my life, a big commitment to me. Um, also, spent a lot of time home with my, with my family. Uh, my parents have done a whole lot for me, so I make sure to spend as much time as I can at home um, and help them out. Other than that, I mean, I spend, I spend a lot of time in the weight room, obviously, in the gym with all the sports going on. So my uh, free time is very limited, as you said. Do you have a uh, favorite... I don't know, like like home cooked meal, something that that you're gonna miss the most when you're at college about a year from now. Um, that that you want to get as much as possible before you do leave home. That that one of your parents cooks. Yeah, my mom makes a, a goulash, uh, and it, it's great. I love it. So I'm gonna have to steal that recipe because I can I can cook pretty well. So I'm thinking about taking that to college with me. Okay, well, if you cook pretty well, I'm sure that'll uh, be something where you'll probably end up cooking for some of the other guys, that's for sure. Um, and then last one I got for you here, I've been asking all the players that we've been having on here uh, to give me a favorite album, movie, TV show. You can give me all three if you want, or you can just give me one of the three. So uh, do you have a favorite album, movie, and or TV show? Yeah, I can, uh, my favorite movie um, is Radio. Um, it's definitely, definitely, it's it was like one, one of the first, what you say? Oh, that's a good one. I, I love that movie. Yeah, it really is. It's a great movie. Um, and then my favorite TV series, shoot, uh, if I'm going with like a classic, it has to be like Friends, you know? Um, but right now I'm on this Netflix series called Suits and man, I'm, whew, I'm addicted. I'm, I'm binge watching that right now. <laughs> So if we're talking, if we're talking uh, life after football, you know, hopefully in twenty years, hopefully you have a long college and, and pro career and stuff like that. But after that, it, any thoughts on maybe being an attorney then? <laughs> oh no way! That's way too much memorizing law for me. <laughs> All right, well, Carson, I appreciate the time, man. Good luck on the uh, upcoming senior season for you, and we'll see you here in Lawrence in about a year. Thank you. That was Carson Brune. He is a tight end commit in the class of 2024 for KU, six foot six. So, uh, you know, obviously very high potential with what he can do. And we've seen the KU tight end group be very special for KU last year with Mason Fairchild being an all Big 12 pick, Jared Casey being used as kind of a tight end, H back type player, and being very successful there. Even some players who, you know, behind those top two guys who have contributed, played snaps, and have shown some, some, good flashes in different guards to Vita Noah as a blocker, Trevor Cardell kind of as an all-around guy. Um, it's a really good position for KU, but you're going to be graduating Mason Fairchild at the end of the year. Jared Casey will be a senior next year. Trevor Cardell will be a senior next year. That You're going to need those next guys to step up and you know, obviously Jaden Ham, who joined the class last year, Carson Brune is going to join the class next year. Like those are guys that you're going to look to as as being future pillars of that position that is coached by Andy Kotelnicki, the offense coordinator, is utilized a ton in the offense, is very important and is very talented with both the current players and obviously with Carson, uh, future players that are going to be joining the roster at that position. All right, with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Fun time catching up with Carson there. Uh, I think we're going to try to get another recruit on sometime next week for the class of 2024 so be on the lookout for that here with rock chalk sports talk this is rcst you're listening on fm 1017 
1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.